Hi, and welcome to the Trail to Austin. Since it's a place to get to know your Austin neighbors and how they became your Austin neighbors. We're here at the New World Deli, our new recording location, and, uh, and it, I'm your host, Bob Morris. And as always, my co-host is Joel McCall. As always. Well, that was pretty rough, wasn't it? Well, that was, that was smooth as my driveway. Yeah, well, there you go, gravel. Yeah. Um, so, basically, we, um, we're trying out this new intro, and... That was rocking, dude. Yeah. No, I that agree. Rocking. So we're in the middle of um, Austin's famous for for two, well, I should say four big weeks a year of music. Um, the obviously South by Southwest in the spring and the Austin St. Limits Music Festival in the fall. And we're right in between week one and week two. But this is just to show you that um, anytime in Austin you can find great music. I happen to have the two people who will be playing tonight. One of them's my co-host Joel, and the other one's our special guest Barbara Nesbitt. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> so, you excited about getting to play tonight? I always love playing here, and it's not just because the sandwiches are my favorite sandwiches. Oh, well, that's added bonus. <laughs> yeah. I know people rave about the burgers too. So, um, I haven't tried. One. I'll try that tonight, maybe. Yeah. I haven't had a burger. The oh, patty the melt. I had the patty melt. Is that good? It's good. All it's right. messy. I ain't afraid of that. No, Messi's good. <laughs> Ruben's great. I can testify that one. Um, so I noticed recently, I you know, was just kind of looking over your background and stuff like that, and you're in the process of recording a new album? I am. I am. I just got started, really. We've just finished the bass, drums, and basic acoustic guitar tracks. Um, and I'm going to start singing some of the tracks tomorrow. So it's right, just right in the thick of it right now. I'm excited about it. I got a bunch of new songs. Well, they're not that new anymore, but it's t- it's just time to put them down for posterity onto a, an album, well, a CD. Okay. So why are you doing it? I'm doing it at Ace Recording with Rich Brotherton. Oh, nice. You might know him from, uh, he's, he played guitar with Robert Earl Keane for mm-hmm. many, many years. And he's incredibly talented at pr- everything he does. I've been really enjoying working with him. In the studio. And an enjoyable <laughs> fellow. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> yeah. He really is just a nice guy. I keep waiting for, like, are you really this na- nice? And what what's wrong with you, really? <laughs> Nothing yet. So I noticed, too, that you had a little help funding it? I had a lot of help funding it. Uh, I did a Kickstarter campaign, which I have some ambivalence about. Uh, because talk, talk, friend, talk about the ambivalence. Sure. I'm, I'm curious. There are a couple of reasons uh, why I have ambivalence about it. One of them is fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And if you don't reach your goal, then you don't get any of it. So that that's a big, that's, a, that's an ongoing thing, through, theme throughout my life. But the other part of it is... Uh, is feeling as though I'm asking people for something, and I don't, I'm not very good at that, or at least I don't enjoy that very much. And I get reminded by people that contribute, actually it's not a good word, pledge and back uh, through Kickstarter. I, I get some input from them. They remind me that people actually want to be part of it. It's not just it's not you, Barbara, asking for some money. It's people feeling like they actually have some a uh, real part of making this new record happen and be involved in it, and I'm and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. You're getting something out of it too. <laughs> oh yeah, that. 
<laughs> well, we should let the audience know that you did reach your goal. So. I did, and then some, actually. I did way better than I thought I would, and will still spend every penny of it and more on making this record. Well, congratulations, because, uh, like you said, not everybody gets all their funding. And Thank that's, you. That's oh, great. Such a load off, I can't even tell you. Let's have a drink. <laughs> well, <laughs> it seems to me I saw you were traveling during the whole process. Yeah, that was yeah. really smart. Uh, start start <laughs> yeah. a Kickstarter campaign and then go on tour. And then try to advertise, you know, post about it and advertise mm-hmm. about it. Get the word out while you're also, I was I was on tour with Shiny Ribs. And I was learning all of their material, too. So I, I, was, I definitely had a lot on my plate. But I kind of like having a lot on my plate. Sure. Well, it... it it takes up uh, time that you might spend thinking. I know I should never be left alone with my thoughts. That is just <laughs> sure. a terrible idea. So, so how many records do you have? Uh, solo records, um, just using the term solo to distinguish between the Whiskey Sisters mm-hmm. or my old band Rare Days or Crave. I've got, this will be the fifth one. This will be my fifth solo release and my first time working with a new producer. So that was another thing that I was very nervous about and... I tell you, I was probably an hour in the studio with Rich before I stopped being nervous about that. Yeah? Yeah. So what prompted you to go to a new producer? Well, my old producer is um, in San Diego, which is where I will probably get to that, but I was where I lived before I lived here. And I did, even after I moved here, I did two records with him still. And I thought, you know, I've been here nine years I think it's time to work with someone in Austin. I came to Austin for music. Let me try and actually draw from the pool of incredible talent here. And that, it was hard, scary, and I hated telling my old producer I was doing it. Um, did it feel he's like incredible. a it did, Yeah, it did. He's very cool about it, though. And he's actually, I'm going to send him some tracks to play some guitar on because he's just really great. Did you at any point in time and say, it's not you, it's me? <laughs> no, I said it's you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so that's a, that's a good segue. Take us through the uh, journey of Barbara Nesbitt. Oh, my gosh. Are we going? How far back are we going? <laughs> well, you were born in Georgia, right? I was born in Georgia, yes, and we lived around the area. I call Stone Mountain my kind of hometown, even though we lived a lot of places around Atlanta. I have lived in uh, North Carolina, Virginia, Florida, Scotland, Hong Kong, and more recently California. Well, yeah, California was before I moved here. Um, I mean, I can go into, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into, but I cut my musical teeth mainly in Virginia, joined a band when I was 16, and um, eventually I moved to San Diego with an ex who shall remain nameless <laughs> and ideally miserable forever. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Not that you're bitter. No. <laughs> okay. yeah, no. That's good. I'm way better than bitter. I don't care, actually. Better than bitter. <laughs> But I finally, I lived in San Diego, loved it there. It's beautiful. It's paradise, really. But I wanted to move to a town where music was more of a central focus. And there were a few towns, you know, there was, there's L.A., there's New York, there's Nashville, there's Austin. L.A. and uh, New York were immediately off the list because I didn't want to live so hand-to-mouth because it's just so expensive to live there. Nashville, um, I went and checked it out, and I really liked it. I enjoy Nashville very much, and it reminds me of the areas where I grew up in the southeast. But for some reason, when I came to visit Austin to to check it out, it just resonated more with me, and I kind of chose it very 
very capriciously in a way. And I was within a month I had moved here not knowing any anybody. Um, and it's been an interesting road since I've been here. Well, so go into a little more detail about how you wound up in music. I mean, one day you're in school, you pick up a, a flute, I don't know. Right. <laughs> well, I definitely had a little less of a traditional upbringing than that. Um, I grew up, my mother was a musician. She actually taught band in junior high school until she got busted for dealing weed and went to prison. And <laughs> so, oh yeah. Um, they didn't believe her when she said uh, the 85 pounds of pot were for personal consumption. <laughs> yeah, so she was out of my life for a large portion of my childhood, and music became this thing in my mind and in my heart that connected me to her. But it wasn't really, it was kind of frowned upon in the household at that point. Um, so it was kind of a secret thing that I did. I would sneak down into the basement, and I found my father's old 45s from... The 50s and 60s, like Sam Cooke and the Righteous Brothers and all of these, Elvis and all these great records, and I'd put them on in the basement and put on little shows for no one <laughs> and sing and dance. And eventually, um, by the time I was about 15, I was I was homeless, and I went to Virginia to look for my mother because I'd heard that she'd gotten out of prison and was in Virginia. Um, that didn't really work out super well, but while I was there, I met a bunch of hippies. And they had a room to let. So I got a fake ID and a job at a bookstore, and I rented a room with these guys, and they had a band. And I used to wander around, and I would feed everybody. We we didn't have much money, so we would buy, like, these huge bags of waffle mix, and I would make waffles and bring them around to everybody in the band and in the house and sing along as I was going. And finally, one of them, Bernie Lee, he said, come here. And he put me in front of a microphone, and he said, sing this song with us and I did and the next week we played an open mic and the next month we were playing to 50 people and six months later we we're playing to hundreds of people we actually just took off really fast and I learned how to sing on stage basically nice yeah Woo. how are you with waffles you know I don't have a problem with them okay. <laughs> but I will say I don't need to ever smell patchouli again ever <laughs> <laughs> was there any chicken with the waffles? No, that was it was before oh. that was a thing, sadly. Plus I mean that was that was just too much. That was expensive. Yeah. We could go a long way on a bag of waffle mix, I'm telling you. <laughs> nice. Grits? Uh yeah, no, I I'm from the south and I shouldn't should not admit this, but I don't like grits and I don't like okra. So I'm sorry, Georgia. Sorry. Wow. I know. That's what they call uh, the San Diego syndrome. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's fish tacos now, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about San Diego for a second. Okay. Uh, I used to play in San Diego. And yeah. And it's, it's like it's perfect weather every day. Yeah. Uh, what venues did you play? What kind of venues? Well, after, I want to address your whole perfect weather thing first really quickly. It's perfect weather for people that like sunny days every single day. Uh, yeah. And I like rainy days yeah. a lot. So that was a little bit of an issue for is it here, too. I, I'm like, come on, give me a freaking thunderstorm. Anyway, um, venues I would play. When I got to San Diego, that was another situation where I didn't know anybody. I'd left a place where I was very established in Virginia and and went to San Diego and went to, to a showcase one night that this girl was putting on. Um, Catherine Beeks was putting on this showcase called uh, Listen Local SD. 
And she let me play a few songs. I wasn't I hadn't written many songs at that point. I played maybe one one of my songs and three or four covers. And somebody came up to me, one of her friends came up to me and said after the show and said, "I really liked that song of yours. You should write some more songs." And I was just like, "What?" Cuz I'd always I'd been in a cover band for a long time and like I'd been singing other people's songs and I just I, all of a sudden I felt like Really? Somebody would like to hear my songs? And within six months, I had written and recorded an album. I was so inspired by just the mere fact that somebody was interested in hearing my songs that all of it, just this door opened and all these songs came out. I'm not answering your question very well. I played small (laughs) venues around the area. I played little places down the Gaslight, places in Pacific Beach, but they were all kind of smaller smaller venues but I had a really great network built a really great network of musician friends basically built around this lady Catherine Beeks it was very cool it was it was a hard thing to leave actually but eventually I felt like it was time to go somewhere just a bigger musical pond Mm -hmm. yeah that's an interesting observation in that a city the size of San Diego uh is not the the active, vivacious uh, scene that we have here in Austin. No, it's it's it got is. its scene, and there's a great support, like a mu- musical support network. But no, it's not the same. Nothing yeah. is the same as Austin. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Plus, don't get me started on ham. I don't think I can ever leave Austin because <laughs> is ham not the coolest? Ham is the best thing ever. We were discussing Sims that last too. week with our, uh, or I guess two weeks ago with our yeah. guest. Rush Evans. Uh, oh yeah, Rush. Yeah. yeah. So and it just happened to be Ham Day. Oh right, right. I played Ham Day. I always play Ham Day. Always. They're great, but yeah, just Austin is a different. Has got a different thing going with the music. So you've been here nine years. December, I think, is nine years. Will okay. be nine years. Describe the changes in the last nine years, from 2010 until now. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I feel like I'm. But just missed the boat in, in a lot of ways with the Austin music scene because, I'm not, and it probably not just missed. I think the 70s and 80s. You hear all these glory stories about about all that, and I, re, I wish I could have seen it. Um, but I got lucky again when I got to Austin. I I ended up meeting a lot of great people who took me under their wing and 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 got me gigs and and it, I slowly established myself. Here, but uh, the changes are really, really obvious. Um, that's my phone. Um, the, the, there are venues, iconic venues, that are being shut down, and you know, by the like the, by the dozens, and all the things that made people want to come to Austin—the music and the eclectic artsy culture—all of those things are just slowly being weeded out because they need to be replaced by instacondos and seas of vinyl siding. So. That's a little frustrating. I still do really well here. I like. I really have great gigs, great friends. Love that. But it's it is a changing thing, and it's a sink or swim, just like any other situation. I know we discussed when I first moved here in the early '90s that you know basically everything downtown was a live music venue. Just about there were no shot bars. There was. I mean, it was either a band was playing in these clubs or yeah, you had the piano bars. <laughs> But you had, st- or they were just a bar bar, yeah. you know. But so you would you would be walking down Sixth Street, which was 
perfectly safe at that time and be walking past and hear one band roaring in there and another one across the street, you know, and it was just pick your band. And now it seems like you have to get in your car and drive somewhere and find, seek out where people are playing, you know, the, instead of just having it all right there together. Yeah, I agree. And there, I mean, downtown is, it still has a little bit of a thing. You can walk here and there in Rainy Street a little bit, but it is much mm-hmm. less music venues and more, you know, craft beers and expensive foods and, uh. Um, the scene. Yeah, the scene. The scene. I, I, I feel like, I must be an old lady because I just like I'm just so not I'm so You're don't so want to go to the I don't want to go to there. You kids get off of my lawn. <laughs> you do that well. <laughs> Thank you. Uncanny. <laughs> That's scary. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kind so of I'm, lost there. <laughs> I want to ask you about the Whiskey Sisters. Okay. Oh yeah, That's when we were uh, You guys absolutely rocked. You were like riding this this incredible wave, and then your partner moved to California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a glorious time. Um, she and I had a really incredible chemistry musically, oh, like yeah. unmatched, really, and in, in my in my history. Um, but I knew even when we started that uh, there were personal things going on with her and her husband, who was our guitar player. For at least the second half of the Whiskey Sisters run, um, that uh, that we're going to ultimately end them up back in Mill Valley, which is their home, or where they come from. Um, it was inevitable, so I kind of knew that. And then eventually, it was it was it, it was time. It was time for them to, to they needed to go back home. I'll tell you, your Wednesday nights at the Continental Club. Oh, thir- leg- yeah, the Thursday, the Thursday happy hours. Legendary. Really just some spectacular times. Yeah. guy I used to work with uh, threatened to quit his job unless he could get off early on Thursdays. Oh, my. I swear to God. Oh, and by the way, That's Eldon, funny. if you're listening, I'm sitting next to Barbara, and he says hi. So. Hi, Eldon. Okay. <laughs> so where are some of the other venues you enjoy playing around town? Um, I love Saxon Pub and I love One to One. I'm kind of partial to a lot of the south, the south venues because I live out, down that way, and that's one of the ones I get there to. There aren't most. that many venues north. Well, no, no. Of the river. I, I guess not. You know, I'm so I'm super busy, and I'm like ha- trying to pick my fi- like figure out where my play. I do some private events. I do some stuff downtown, um, but I would say my favorites are. At this one, New World Deli is a ton of fun. I have fun every single time, and, and, and I know people come here because they love music, and that's super important rather than being a peripheral hired gun playing, you know, off in the corner. But Saxon Pub and One to One are among my, amongst my favorites, and the Continental Club, of course. That was mm-hmm. like my briar patch in a yeah. way. Don't send me to the Continental Club, whatever you do. No. <laughs> No, it's Briar Patch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. It's <laughs> an Uncle Remus you reference. My, I guess yes, did. Not. You sure did. I guess uh, they didn't study that in Georgia. You know. I'm no. the one who brought it up, and I didn't even follow like <laughs> follow your reference. I was the one who brought the reference up. That's funny. Yes. Yes. Um, a rabbit. Cool. Well, um, I think what we're going to do here is take a quick little break, and then we'll come back and find out more about. Your thoughts on Austin and being in Austin and everything that is Austin. That sounds great. Thanks.
Elizabeth from her last album, Ride is Rain. The single is At Large in Tennessee. You can check out more of Barbara's music at barbaranesbitt.com or download it on iTunes or whatever platform you're using. And also available on her website or her upcoming tour dates. So check it out and support local musicians. Now back to our show. Hi, and welcome back to The Trail to Austin. I'm your host, Bob Morse. I'm here with my co-host, Joel McCall, and our guest, Barbara Nesbitt. Hi. So now we're going to discuss international Barbara. (laughs) She's an international superstar, in case you guys didn't know. So she's done some uh, touring and some living outside the U.S., and so you want to start with, uh, what was it, Hong Kong? Yeah, Hong Kong. um, and Yeah, international superstar. I make tens of euros over there. Uh, no, I lived in Hong Kong briefly. I got invited to do a stint at a... Did you guys ever see Lost in Translation? Mm-hmm. So, remember the hotel they stayed in? There was a lounge, and this, there was a singer down there in the lounge. That's kind of like what the job that I had. They hired me to come in for five months and live in the Intercontinental Hotel. Not bad. Not bad. They have a wonderful tea. They have... Oh, yeah, high tea. High tea high every tea. day. Um, they do. They do, and they've got incredible uh, restaurants. And I had this view of Victoria Harbor all across to Hong Kong. It was incredible. Um, and I got to eat all of my meals from those restaurants. Like I would have a, I would have a Nobu for for lunch. It was ridiculous, but it was work. It was um, six nights a week, four hours a night singing. Solo. Um, I had no. They they provided a band. Um, which is kind of what they would do. They would have, they had had all these hotels did the same thing. They brought in these incredible musicians from, mostly from Manila. I was going to say the Philippines. Telling you there's something in the water there that makes mm-hmm. you a good musician. It, it, it's just incredible. So I had a, a, a bass player, cellist, and a percussionist. And Francisco and Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> And I had to gussy up every night, full like gowns and heels and hair and the whole thing. And it was what it was a lot of work and it was an incredible adventure. I had such a such a fun time being in such a strange place. I just have these moments in my life uh, somewhere on the planet where I just take a second and go, How in the <laughs> how did I end up in this moment? So what type of music were you playing that moment? Oh, all cover songs. Um, they typically would have someone do a lot of contemporary covers, but I asked them if I could do a bunch of stuff from the 60s and 70s, and they were fine with that. So that was that was all right. It so was what, a job. <laughs> so what did they think of the tiny blonde woman? Oh, gosh. They love little blonde women over there. Yes, that went over quite well. <laughs> I was in Japan for three weeks one time, and I, I noticed their reaction any time they spotted a blonde American woman that yeah. was like, follow, follow, follow. Yeah, yes, it, yeah, it's a thing for sure. Cool. <laughs> it was it was really fun. I've actually been back a couple of times for shows, uh, met some promoters over there, and, and they brought me back for a couple of shows and went over for Christmas once. Um, and that was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. I look forward to going back again sometime. How long was that gig? Five, five months, four and a half months. Wow. It was long. <laughs> after a while, I definitely felt a, like I felt it. It was taxing after a while, for sure. And then I guess you did a tour of Scotland a couple times. I and did. Lived there for a while, you said. Right? Yeah, just about six months after I got back from 
So the time frame is I had already moved to Austin, and then I got the gig in Hong Kong about six to eight months later. So I left Austin and, and then ended up coming back. But I came back, and then a few months later, I decided that I wanted to move to Scotland for three or four months just to see it's my heritage and I just wanted to immerse myself in it so I rented a flat in Glasgow and set up some gigs around that I could just use that as a home base mm-hmm. and I loved it I love Scottish people they're merry and kind and robust they are it's yes robust um, we were discussing a moment ago that Glaswegians are impossible to understand though that's the speed and the accent Together, the speed of the talk, the cadence of the talking, and the and the accent—it's just. I would just sit there with my mouth agape, just going, "That is not English. What are you even? What are you saying?" Uh, Like I said, we had a friend that came over here, and uh, after two beers, it was any chance of understanding anything he said was out the window. I got pretty good at it after a while. Um, and it is one of my favorite sounds. Well, not Glaswegian in particular, but just in general, that accent it just does it for me. Um, I, I go back every year and tour in the UK, and I spend a lot of time. I've got a lot of really great friends in Scotland that I love to see every year. And each time I go back, I check out a different part of the country, too, that I haven't seen. It's just so much beautiful countryside. Oh, yeah. No, I, I took the train up there, and just all the green mm. everywhere. And all the sheep. <laughs> That's funny to see that many sheep from a train. There's a lot of sheep. Have you? Did you ever see any of the Highland cattle? Oh yeah. Those yeah, things yeah. are robust. Speaking yeah. of yeah. robust. Yeah. I had a funny story coming back from uh, Scotland. I was staying on the train, and it, you know, we were heading back from Edinburgh to London. And this guy sitting next to me that was about uh, at this time I was probably in my early 30s, and he was about 70. And he leans over and he goes. Did I tell you about the time we won the cup? And I said, what? And his wife's going, oh, don't, <laughs> don't tell your stories again, old man. <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, yeah, I used to play football, and we won the cup. For, oh, my gosh. You know, oh, my gosh. The glory days. Yes. So, for Edinburgh. So, he was just, and he was just so thrilled to be telling this, and she's just shaking her head, going, oh, my God. Well, it's nice, it's nice to know some things are, like, universal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I was fine. <laughs> An old dude telling his Glory, glory Day story and, and somebody being disappointed in him sitting next to him. I'm talking about his wife, not no, you. No, 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 no. That's fine. I'm sure there's a lot of head shaking anytime I talk. <laughs> so you, you do your gigs in the U.K. Uh, you have a lot of friends. How do you how do you put together your tours? Well, it's a lot of it's a lot of hustle. It's a lot of just me. I, the, it started with just asking friends here in Austin. Hey, do you have any contacts in the UK mm-hmm. or Scotland? And uh, one of the biggest helps I had was from Bob Cheevers. He'd done the, that tour over there a bunch, and he he really opened a bunch of doors for me. Um, and then each time I go, you know, I, I cold called and I, and I did research and figured out, are there any venues in this town? And that's, you know, between these two towns, what, would there be any venues? And just kept on sending out emails and, and finally set up my first tour over there. And then when I'm there, you end up meeting new people and people telling you, hey, you should try such and such a venue next time. Or, hey, come meet my friend so-and-so. He does a radio show. Or, and it just builds 
over the years okay. that so way. You, so you didn't I, – I know that there are tour promoters yes. there that kind of specialize in that somewhat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I work with some promoters for a few shows, but I haven't actually done in – England, in the UK, where people where I set my whole tour up through a promoter, but, but there's plenty of that going on there and in Europe too. A lot of my friends will have a a promoter take care of all of it. Like we got your where you're staying, we've got your transportation, we've got your gigs, um, and then they get this per- percentage of what what they make. Sure. Well, there you go. There's your next paid oh, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's 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 come back to Austin. Sure. You're, you're in the studio. You're going to start singing, which yes. is always a, a wonderment. You sing, and you go, oh, I'm going to sing again. I'm going to sing again. It's, how do you know, in your mind, how do you know when it's done? Right. Right. I forget who it was. Who was it that said, art is never completed, only abandoned? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and that, it's a good question. Um, I think for me it's a, a matter of... of t- it's got, I've got, gotten it to the point, I've done, I've sung this song enough and, and pieced it together to the point where I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I get that. I don't hate it. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> so what are your plans when it comes out? That's a great question. I'm actually ta- I'm talking with a publicist that I want to work with. and But I need to get some of the, some of the basic tracks, like demoed first, and be able to give them something to go on. I've never really been good at that side of, of you know, marketing and public, publicity. I, I really suck at it. So I'm, I'm hoping to take some of that Kickstarter money, plus probably go into debt a little bit about it, to hire a proper team to help me with that. Now, are you going to do one publicist fits all? Or are you going to have a? You're going to go for airplay? Are you going to have a? Radio runner plus a publicist? Or? Right, exactly. Those are the questions. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone out there has any answers, <laughs> right. you can reach Barbara. <laughs> Those are all the questions that are, like, just pummeling the inside of my head at night. Sure. And I, I have a million more of them if you'd like to hear them as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sussing it out, like, literally as the, in this time in my life, I'm trying to figure out all of those, those answers. What have you done in the past? Um, a really poor job of that part. Really poor job. I've. Uh, okay. Have you hired a publicist? I mean, before? yes, I have, and, and she was great, but like, uh, I just, you know, I don't know how to drop a record. I don't know how to do that exactly. And I had a lot of time, my first few records, I, do, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking, yay, I'm making a record of my songs, and this is great, you know, and then I have a record. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, people do stuff with them, like put them on the radio. <laughs> That's a difference between a CD release and a CD escape. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, oh, and I mean, my thought would be walk 15 blocks that way and go to the uh, school of business and go, hey, uh, who knows how to market stuff in here? <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. I mean, because... Will you do that for me? <laughs> I can try. Um, the, um, no, I'm just thinking that it's like, is the CD release really a thing anymore? Or do you try to get on Spotify? Or what do you... Yes, both of those things. CD releases are still things. And getting on Spotify is apparently super, super important. And I'm not really sure exactly why. 
But, uh, so people can download your song and you get paid point oh 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 one right cents. Right. There's a lot. There are a lot of things in the music business that they look really good on paper, but they don't actually mm-hmm. translate to more work or more money or more. You know, but, but they look good on paper. I don't want to mention some of them because I'm I do some of them and I'm and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but. It is. It's a hustle. It is every single day. It's all the time. You never go home from it. Um, and I'm not complaining. I'm making an observation, not a judgment. I'm happy to be. Able, I pay my mortgage with music, and I'm incredibly lucky. That's a for big that. thing in this town. Big, big. Oh. Well, I got lucky. I, my t- the timing when I bought my house was. I would never be able to buy it now because of the boom, for sure. Yeah. So That's speaking hats. <laughs> They all know there's a sign in the neighborhood. Go to Barbara's. She'll feed you. She'll take care of you. She'll get At you fixed. Hotel. Yeah, man. It's true. So some of the things that, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the <laughs> things you've seen change in the uh, music business here and stuff like that. But what's, what, when you first came here, because this is interesting, you came here, eh, what, about 2009? Yep. Okay. So when you first came here, what was your first impression of this place? Well, um, it's actually pretty quickly I met a couple of people who knew like so many other musicians, and I really got out and met and networked. I didn't feel like it was networking though. I felt like it was just this kind of organic, authentic meeting other people that do what I do, and. So it went really super well, and then, bam, I ended up going to Hong Kong, right? So after I got back from Hong Kong and then Glasgow, I ended up um, meeting Teal from the Whiskey Sisters, and we hit it off musically and got that thing going, and that was just, it was its own animal and, and helped to put my name out there much, much more. Um, so by the time that ended, I had much I had more clout um, in, in the in town, basically. But I was I was I was lucky. I was lucky. It's it's a struggle and it's a hustle. But I've also I feel like I have been welcomed by some people. You know, some people that I would consider to be like the upper echelon of Austin musicians. Sweet. No, I mean, that's one of the things that usually is people's first impression here is how friendly everybody is. Right. They're and willing to help. Absolutely. They're willing to do. Different things. It's a big thing. It, most it's of, different. It's not like that in other places. No, it's yeah, not. No. Virginia was definitely not like that. There wasn't an in, and plus you had a particular genre of music and and you hated all the other genres of music and every and they hated you and there wasn't you, you there was competition rather than elevation and support of each other and I find so much support. I can't tell you how many of my friends. Turn me on to gigs, and then I and I get to do the same thing, and it's wonderful. It's just, it's a wonderful thing. It's one of my favorite things about Austin. It helps me get past the fact that I can't stand how hot it is, and I really miss green. <laughs> we have green three yeah. months a year, March through May. I mean, I grew up in Georgia green, you know, and so I'm a little spoiled with that. Oh yeah. So, what's been one of the weirdest things you've done here in Austin? Oh, <laughs> one of the weirdest things that I've done here in Austin. I mean, ah. it could be a festival. It could be, you know, went skinny dipping in Barton Springs pool. I don't know, whatever. 
Um, wow, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I so could, many to choose from. I know. <laughs> I could say that there are a couple of weird things that have happened. Maybe not that I've done them, but sure. No, I mean, I was playing a show and a guy went into the bathroom and then came out completely naked and ran up to the front of the stage and shook his family jewels and ran out the door down the street. You have soy bomb written on him? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. What do you know? The, I don't know the reference. Oh, no, it was uh, was it when Sean Colvin was getting her Grammy? The guy came out and started <gasps> dancing and had soy bomb written on his chest. Balm, B A L M. No, B-O-M-B. Oh, bomb. <laughs> Sorry, my poor pronunciation. What is, that? what is that? I don't want to know what that is, frankly. No. no. Okay. Some things I think I'll be okay not knowing. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Did you have some, so you had some other weird things happen that were weirder than that? No, I mean, I. It's it's been a fairly pedestrian trip since I've been here. Well, the thing is, weird things happen all the time, but because they happen all the time, they're no longer weird. Yeah, I, I, I imagine to a lot of people, I, everything, every day is weird to them. You know, it's very different, a very different lifestyle. But to me, it all seems... Pretty reasonably normal, yeah, yeah, and and fun and adventurous and hard and torturous and great. Uh oh. Well, that shut y'all down. <laughs> and yes, I do have all of those feelings at once. Now, um, well, I have to say that I have enjoyed listening to you probably for the last nine years. Thank you very much. And uh, just absolutely tickled pink you you opted to spend some time with us. Well, I appreciate y'all having me, and I'm looking forward to playing, to uh, swapping some songs with you tonight. Yeah, it's, I I practiced. (laughs) Oh, shoot, I was supposed to practice. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) They didn't tell you that up front. Okay. No, it wasn't in the fine print. Since, based on your experience moving here, what would be some advice you'd give to somebody else who's maybe looking to move here to the new resident who just showed up and they're they're like, what now? So, okay, so they've already moved here in this scenario? Or they're thinking about it. Okay, if you're thinking about moving here, I'm, I would say move to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> We're full. Um, that's mean. Somebody actually said something like that to me years ago, and I was like, ouch, that's mean. Uh, no, I, to someone who just got here, I would say... I would say not to have a preset idea of what to expect. Um, it's not. It's going. It's going to be everything but that, probably. And to take every day, like I just said a minute ago, as it kind of an adventure, and to, to have a sense of humor about a lot of things as well. But the, the music scene here is changing. I don't know if it's going to end up better or worse or what. It, but it's go. It's just changing every single day, and I think. Going into it with, with being okay with the unknown, um, that's a terrible answer. Well, you're saying be flexible. I am. I'm saying that. It's also a way of saying, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. It's, it's, it can be wonderful if you let it. Right. So we've got you two playing here tonight, which obviously this is going to drop too late to uh, tell anybody about that. But um, <laughs> what about some of your other upcoming gigs what do i have well i'm playing in mexico this weekend (laughs) that's gonna be fun um a short southwest flight away folks that's right yeah actually it's a southwest to san diego and then a drive that's what that is 
Um, and when I get back, um, I wish I wish I had thought to write down some of my dates. Come when I come back, I've got some I've got something coming up in November at Saxon Pub. I'm coming back here. I'll be back here in the middle of the month in November and in December doing a song swap here at New World Deli. And uh, I always have my website is updated with all of my shows, and there are always new shows being added. So I would recommend that's where I go to find out where I'm playing. And what is that website? <laughs> BarbaraNisbet.com. With two T's, correct? Two T's. Yes, ma'am. And um, how about Facebook? Yeah, I do the Facebooks and the Spotify and YouTube, and I'm on all the things. And you can get my music on iTunes and Amazon or just come straight to me and <laughs> I can hook you up. Excellent. <laughs> Joel, what about you? Uh, playing in Houston Saturday. Excellent. At J.P. Hop's house. And then I do have my monthly residency here at New World Deli and joelmccall.com. The calendar is generally pretty close to current. <laughs> Excellent. So it's nice that you guys... Uh, Use your own websites to keep track of your dates. <laughs> yeah. So, digital brain is what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Barbara, I really enjoyed this, and I hope you'll come back and see us again sometime when we're, we'll do another one. And then maybe we'll do a Barbara After Dark. Dun, dun, dun. I have been known to say things out loud. I've um, heard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my reputation has preceded me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure, and I'm sure Joel's pleasure. My pleasure, too. I look forward <laughs> to playing in about, oh, an hour. Ooh, let's have a sandwich. Let's have a sandwich. There you go. Uh, until next time, this is Bob Morris, and so long from the trail to Austin.